The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. So good morning, good day, warm greetings, everyone. Appreciate our time here together meditating. And lovely to see little bows in the chat. So warm greetings from my fellow Santa Cruzians. Hello. Nice to see you. And special welcome to those of you who slipped in a little bit late to the Zoom room. Glad you're here. So today is the third day on our series of core or essential elements of mindfulness meditation. This week so far, we've covered um, Monday feeling tone or Vedana, that very simple parsing of experience as pleasant, unpleasant, or neither. And mindfulness of Vedana can undercut all kinds of problematic ways of spinning out or building houses of cards of thinking and stories. And in Buddhist psychology, it underpins another simple kind of layer of experience, which is wanting or not wanting, otherwise known as Vedana, or not, sorry, not Vedana, craving. And wanting or not wanting can be as simple as a little pulse of wanting or strong as desire, strong greed. The not wanting can be a simple pulse of pulling away or aversion, all the way up from mild irritation to hatred, hostility. The reason this is important is that between feeling tone and this wanting and not wanting, there's a choice. We can notice versus start craving, wanting, not wanting, and even when craving has appeared, it's possible, again, to notice it rather than having it run us, which it does a lot of the time, right? If I'm seeing my experience through the lens of greed, even my meditation might have cultivation of greed as its outcome. If I'm seeing my experience through the lens of, through the filter of aversion, I might actually be increasing my aversion, my dislike towards something. So yesterday, I talked about recognizing and working with these unhelpful attitudes or proclivities of mind. And today, I'm going to talk about some of the more helpful attitudes or frames of mind, how they can support practice, and um, touch on ways of recognizing and perhaps cultivating them. So that's where we're going for the next little while, and there'll probably be time for some Q&A again today. So first, I want to plug in um, neutral Vedana, neutral feeling tone. Neither pleasant nor unpleasant. So this can be a real source of instruction about frame of mind, about this kind of filter we might bring or attitude the mind might have. 
when attended to with an aversive frame of mind, even a very neutral experience can begin to feel unpleasant. You've all probably experienced this. For example, if I'm doing dishes, there's just water running over my hands. There's contact with the cloth. There's contact with the dish. But if I'm resentful and rushed or stressed, then that becomes an unpleasant experience. On the other hand, if I am washing a dish for a good friend or with a good friend, and it's a point of generosity or connection, the experience can actually be quite pleasant. That generosity, that wholesome, beneficial attitude of mind shifts perception of a lot of experience for us. One of my parents' neighbors, my parents are in their 70s and they're in a snow town, a ski town. And one of their somewhat younger neighbors absolutely loves snow blowing or shoveling his neighbor's driveway. He'd far rather do my parents' driveway than his driveway. We've all felt this, right? It's that generosity or impulse of friendliness or kindness, metta, can infuse an activity and shift the Vedana, the feeling tone of it. Art students or photographers sometimes notice that the simplest subject becomes far more interesting the more they study it, recognize the details. Naturalists notice this too. It could be a very simple plant, but wow, you start noticing all the details of the leaves and the way they interact with the stem and the habit of the way it grows. It suddenly becomes more interesting and more pleasant. The breath and meditation can be like this. Moving from neutral maybe to unpleasant if we have expectations or having tr tricky time breathing over to very pleasant if we're on a roll and the attention settles on the breath, rests in the breath. So again, these differences in breath, they can be differences in what's happening, but many times it's less about what's happening with the object of our attention and much more about the frame of mind, attitude of mind, or other mental factors, such as interest or steadiness of mind. So attitude of mind is key. Balance of mind, that clear, undistorted form of mindfulness, awareness. And the attitude or the mind state that we're having can become the object of our attention. A number of people were calling today St. Metta's Day. I love it that today could be Metta Day. Metta, kindness, loving kindness, friendliness is another attitude of mind that in this tradition of Buddhism is often intentionally cultivated. And we notice it and it becomes a source of wisdom when we begin to notice its absence versus its presence intention versus arising. So sometimes, no matter what you do, it seems, you can come into a, a period of meditation with a very unhelpful attitude, irritation, wanting, sadness, um, whatever. 
sadness doesn't have to be a problem, for example, if the mindfulness is brought to the experience of sadness, if it doesn't need to be another way, and if we don't necessarily need to believe all the thoughts that spin up from it. Mindfulness brought to unpleasant states of mind is a completely different experience than mindfulness experienced through them. Mindfulness brought to wanting or not wanting, greed or aversion, transforms them. It transforms them. So here are some ways that can be possible to shift from an unhelpful attitude, otherwise known as frame of mind, to a helpful one. Notice the simple knowing itself, the mindfulness itself. Sometimes this is enough, knowing that you're mindful, being aware that you're aware, to begin to simply be with whatever's arising. It can, if that doesn't seem accessible to you, for some people it feels quite easy, for other people it feels impossible, then simply noticing the absence of problems. By the way, folks, I cannot read questions while I'm talking. So if you hold your questions till the end of the talking, the chances of um, me answering them are much higher because they will disappear up the chat box and I won't be able to find them again. So hold them or copy them and paste them at the end. Okay. I can see them, but I can't talk and respond simultaneously here. So noticing the absence of problems. Thich Nhat Hanh called this noticing the absence of a toothache. Second, take a step back. Take a step back. If a difficulty feels charged, notice the charge. And if possible, Bring kindness, compassion, patience to it. So body pain, knee pain. You can notice the pain with aversion, and that will make the pain worse. If you notice the aversion with aversion, that will make the aversion worse. If instead you notice the aversion with kindness, things can start to transform. Finally, trust the process. Trust the process. Confidence or trust in the process is so helpful. It can be a key condition for emerging from dukkha, from suffering into joy or into other beautiful states of mind if there is trust. So awareness, awareness of what is happening is key. And attitude towards what's happening can shift experience, no matter what level of experience you're talking about. The simple contact with experience, the attribution or parsing of Vedana or feeling tone can be shifted by attitude. And even an unhelpful attitude Despair, anger, etc., can be shifted again by kindness, patience, trust in the process. 
So that was a lot, but just to name that discerning what conditions, what attitudes are helpful for your practice is a learning process. And it's helpful to keep in mind that it benefits from acceptance or acknowledgement of what's happening rather than contention. A sense of allowing or open interest, kind regard. So all of the things I just named are beautifully balanced attitudes to bring to meditation and to these craving-based attitudes that you may notice. Frames of mind and attitude are the same here that you may notice. And for the purpose of mindfulness meditation, any object of attention is valid. So get interested. can be fuel, fuel for wisdom, discernment, and awakening. Thank you. So friends, we have spent another 45 minutes together and I just want to dedicate our time together for the benefit of all beings. Thank you for your attention. And I will stay back for another three or four minutes to answer questions for those of you who put them in. If you want to put them in again, I'll do my best. Thank you for your practice. So Charles Lee, is it possible to have wrapped interest in neutral Vedana or neither pleasant nor unpleasant Vedana without the experience becoming pleasant or unpleasant? I would say check that out for yourself. In my own experience, wrapped interest actually is a synonym for piti, which is a synonym for joy or pleasure. So I would say it's possible to be very immersed in an experience and have it be neither, but probably not have wrapped interest. Again, check it out in your own experience. Susan, so as I mentioned a couple of times after glimpsing this um, in the chat, your question, how does frame of mind relate to Vedana? I was using the term frame of mind synonymous with attitude or craving, in this craving potentially or um, wholesome states of mind. So if you think of it as a layer cake, contact with sensation or contact with an arising Vedana or feeling tone is the simplest parsing of pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral. And attitude of mind, frame of mind, is the response to those two things. Sometimes it can be, if we're very mindful, the response to bare sense experience. Or more frequently, attitude of mind is more of just the gestalt. Frame of mind is a gestalt, an attitude towards the pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral, or attitude towards attitude. So they do interplay with each other, but usually Vedana is more fundamental. 
Layla, that's a great question. The relationship between equanimity and neither or neutral, Vedana. So equanimity, again, is most often a mind state or attitude of mind. So we can have extraordinary experiences of pleasant or unpleasant and still be equanimous about them. And there's a form of equanimity, embodied equanimity, in which all experience can, in deeper states of meditation, be experienced as neither pleasant nor unpleasant. So I hope that's helpful. And I'm just reading here. Yes. Good observation, Lorraine. A shift bringing mindfulness to worry from blame and hostility. Exactly. Exactly. It walks it down to a simpler level of experience. And that is part of what this practice can teach us is ways to simply be with our experience without needing to project outwards into blame or hostility. So thank you very much, everyone, for your kind attention, for your questions, and most of all, for your practice and your sincerity. And we will be back tomorrow. So I hope to see you then.